Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Um, it's our favorite month, and I love the fact that we're doing spooky stuff constantly, all the time. That's mm-hmm. the only vibe I've ever needed in my life. Yeah, I mean, I do think, like, most, a lot of our books could easily be considered spooky, so. I mean, we have a genre that we prefer. That's <laughs> that's for sure. But, like, in October, I feel like I really I really get into the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or, like, like, I appreciate it more, and I look a little bit more at, like, like the imagery that my author is providing me. Like, I just take it all in in October where the rest of the year I'm really kind of looking for like who done it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Does that make sense? That's like yeah. that's the difference for me at least. Um I just I try to experience it differently. <laughs> um I guess I'll just jump right into it cuz we've been chatting and I don't have a lot of small talk or follow-ups to share with our listeners because yeah. we did not leave any cliffhangers. Um this week, what I ended up doing was uh, a more of a classic, actually. I just was looking, flipping through the book because I'm trying to figure out what year it was written. Um, but I did uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, who's also the author of Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, I've read that one. It's I'm, a really good book. I don't think I, I think, yeah, you read that one, but I did not. Um, so Something Wicked This Way Comes is somewhat of a classic. It's a classic. Uh, the original copyright was 1962. No. Oh. So that is going to be kind of scary because that was the thing. I know that we were like kind of trying to pick more scary books for this one. And then I realized when I was looking that it's a lot of older books that are like the true terror scary. But I was really trying to look for more of like a newer book. Mm-hmm. So but I did notice that, that. Yeah, a lot of like 60s, 70s type stuff, 80s, maybe. But yeah. That's when they like did that true like horror that people still talk about. I think it's because they stand the test of time, right? Where like you can still relate to those books mm. 50 years later. And so like uh, it it adds to like the unsettling feeling a little bit where it's yeah. just like it's kind of it kind of doesn't really matter what year it was. Like I, I honestly don't know what year it was supposed to be in this book. I don't even know if they said um, I'm going to guess in the 60s based on, well, the copyright date and some of the clues I gathered throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book, just to start off um i love the vibe of this book the way that the author like described things was like very vivid and like it felt like i was like hanging out in october like in the middle of just like a spooky october night like that's just kind of how the whole book felt to me Mm -hmm. um which i really appreciated i don't really think it was like scary like it wasn't like oh my god freaking out i'm gonna throw it in the freezer like joey does in friends with uh what was it the Shining. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was like, still there's a yeah. Still haven't read it. Always think about it, and then I go and I pick it up or I look at it on Audible because I think Audible is like forty hours or something. And I'm like, that I that is a work week right there. I don't have that kind of time to commit. Yeah, Stephen King's pretty wordy. I'm just gonna watch the movie if I really want The Shining. Let's let's be real at this I've also point. Never um, seen it either. So oh my god, we're obviously gonna watch that this okay. October. So when I'm there, we're watching The Shining. But something wicked this way comes is about. It's kind of a coming of age book, honestly. That's um, I would say that that's kind of like the underlying theme here. Um, I find that a lot of books that are older, I look for that underlying theme more so than I do currently, where I feel like there's a lot more like nuance to the way that the writer is writing and the way that they're doing it is supposed to have like those implications. Like it makes me feel like I'm in like an English class where I'm trying to like decipher like <laughs> what did they really mean there, especially when it's something that like seems kind of cryptic, right? So um, 
In this particular book, these two boys, Jim Nightshade and Will Holloway, like I love those names. The the best spooky <laughs> names. <laughs> like they're amazing. Um, so these two boys are neighbors and they were born like 30 minutes apart. Um, and one of them was born right before midnight on Hall or right before midnight on the 30th of October, so just before Halloween. And then the other one was born just after midnight on Halloween. So at this point, these boys in the book are about 13, just shy of 14 years old because it is October 24th. Um, actually, I do think it says the year and I do think it was the 60s now that I think about it. Now that I remember uh-huh. the October 24th detail, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Anyways, so the premise of this book is that so these two boys are hanging out in their small town. They're doing boy stuff. They sneak out at night. Like they're looking for adventure. They want to be older. That's why I feel like this is a little bit of a coming of age book. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, they're like trying to figure out like who they are in the world and their place. Um, So it's October. These two boys are hanging out in front of one of their houses and the book starts (laughs) in a way that doesn't really like make sense until much later in the book. But basically like this lightning rod salesman comes by, which is such a weird thing to me. And like the door to door (laughs) salesman feels really sixties to me too. Like, like I said, the whole vibe just gives me like hardcore sixties. And so he comes and he sees these two boys, but obviously boys like this hanging out in their front yard, don't have money, like Mm -hmm. money. So this guy comes up to him. I think his last name was like fury. Everyone has very interesting names. Um, so Mr. Fury, the lightning salesman comes up to these boys and he was just like, I have a feeling that one of these houses is going to get hit. Like you, you have to have my lightning rod. And they're like, okay, which house? And so he goes and he touches both of the boys houses. And he was like this one, it's this one. And it was Jim's. And so like these boys are in such contrast. So Jim is the one who's born actually on Halloween. And then Will is actually born on the 30th. So Will is like, very fair like white blonde hair like light blue eyed and jim is like complete opposite he's got that dark hair they don't describe it as black but like a dark chestnut Mm -hmm. um it's not like harry potter and like dark (laughs) eyes and features and so like they're just very very much their opposites but also like very close um most of this book is like will trying to keep up with jim and jim wanting to like be older than he is and like age and become this whole new person and explore and he's willing to take risks and chances where will is very conservative you know the lightning rod salesman tells him there's going to be lightning it's going to hit jim's house and will's like oh my god yeah we're going to put that rod up right freaking now and jim was like eh, it's gonna be fine let's swing it and will's like i don't think so and so like the only way will is able to like give jim some sort of like conscience or like awareness of the decisions he's making being kind of foolhardy is that he's like what about your mom like your mom's in the house too like if it's fatal do you want her to have to deal with that but like jim later still takes a lightning rod down i can't even he basically just like (laughs) wants to tempt fate i know that's like one of those like boys will be boys thing that's like not as gross but i don't like it i don't (laughs) i don't like that attitude just as a whole it made me very stressed for jim i was was gonna say yeah i was gonna say you and will are on the same page there will and i are bffs and jim and i are not i'm sitting here with jim like like what would happen yeah i was like i don't know also when he said that it was a lightning rod salesman i was like what why why do i use a lightning rod am i trying to bring lightning to me do i touch it what and then you said it was so it doesn't hit the house and when i'm an idiot that makes a lot more sense 
Yeah, basically the whole thing was like you're supposed to put it on like the very front of your house so that like it absorbs all of the lightning and like it has like a wire that goes down to the ground. So it's supposed to route the lightning away from your house, but to the ground. So like it grounds it in a different way. Very skeptic. I think I'll agree. I'm going to take Jim's side on this one. I have not done enough research to understand how lightning rods work. So I haven't either, but based off of just this amount of knowledge, I'm on I'm on team Jim here. They're children. They were not very clear in their description of lightning rods. (laughs) Rude. Um. So a storm comes, no lightning hits, but um, a storm comes. I'm assuming the lightning was supposed to be some sort of, uh, there are words that are English language words that I can't think of. Uh, there you go. Thank you. I was thinking more like, like an analogy, but foreshadowing, I think is much more appropriate. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like a foreshadowing, like something is coming, um, but maybe not necessarily lightning, but something that's going to hit. Mm-hmm. And so that night, um, they hear a calliope which if i understand is like a a strong storm or noise basically like a disturbance in the air but it's not necessarily something specific it's like a like a like an electrical kind of disturbance in the area Hmm. that's the way they described it i did not look it up because i wanted to understand it the way the author was trying to portray it so Mm -hmm. i did not look it up because i know there's lots of definitions but the way that the author explains it is basically like like an ill wind comes into town right and the boys are kind of drawn to it um because they live across from each other obviously they can open their windows they can talk to each other they have like (laughs) they've like nailed uh, like steps into the side of their houses, like hidden amongst the trellises. So like they can sneak out and their parents don't know, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. So the same night that um, the lightning is supposed to hit, this calliope hits where these boys decide like we have to go out and explore. And so they do. They um, they go out and they start kind of driving around. It sounds like they live in a small town. I don't know if it says exactly where they live, but it's clearly a small town. Um they make some stops. So they stop at like a local library. Um, these boys are really into books. I thought that was really interesting. The way that the author described it, it's like, like books are a new world, right? So these boys were looking, they wanted to fight monsters and they wanted to do all these things, which really added to that, like coming of age kind of feeling, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're young and they're looking for all of like the excitement and the adventure that's going to happen in their lives. Um, so they go to this library kind of like, dick around honestly they don't really do that much in the library i think the library becomes more important later in the book but also will's dad works in the library so it becomes kind of a focal point so his dad again with the whole coming of age thing you know it spends all of his time looking at like his son and his friend and being like gosh i wish i was young and i could you know just like these boys decide to just run like they don't walk anywhere they run everywhere you know it's a race but you don't actually race each other you just want to get there at the same time because you're friends so you don't want the competition mm-hmm. so like the dad is you know reminiscing about all of these books that he's read and all these adventures that he's been on but not actually been on and the fact that like he can't really be a part of his son's life and his son's experience like growing up and like becoming this person um it's honestly pretty touching the whole thing with his dad but they leave the library and they see this like train coming into town and they're like oh that's super weird and then there's these like the story's not super linear so i'm trying really hard to like kind of put it together um you do see from a few different perspectives like you see from jim and uh will's perspective and you see from his dad's perspective but basically this this train sounds like it's coming into town and then there's these like flyers being blown around and these flyers are for cougar and dark's pandemonium shadow show and they're like hmm that seems really interesting it boasts having the most beautiful woman in the world obviously they want to see that 
obviously they're going to go see that. Right. Um, it lists like a few different things. Like they, they boast having like a, like a witch and, um, like a skeleton man and an illustrated man, which is basically a super tattooed person. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know I didn't know either so they explained it which I really appreciated yeah but like Jim like constantly is like no there's a big difference between a tattooed person and an illustrated man like an illustrated man each single tattoo like leads into the other and has a specific story where like otherwise you're just tattooed yeah you're just covering tattoos that are all have tattoos singular Mm -hmm. exactly and so like the way they kind of describe this illustrated man like later in the book is that like they seem to kind of move and like the way that he is like inked looks like when he like flexes his muscles like like it's alive like it's all Mm -hmm. moving together so like i think that was a pretty interesting um so basically it they're like hey like we are arriving immediately immediately is what the flyer said like it's all very spooky like where did the flyers come from who did that also immediately Um, like and immediately that's yeah i have questions but okay clearly someone from, from the carnival like you know comes into town just as the train is coming through and like just throws them yeah, like who come, knows yeah, comes early or something and knows exactly like timing wise when to do it right it's unclear but it really just kind of adds to like the spooky factor and like the unknown um so there are a few different ways that they kind of announce themselves so not only do the boys encounter these flyers but later the dad and the lightning salesman encounter um so there's this one store that is part of like the main street of town it sounds like and the 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 front window had a sign for dark or cougar and dark's pandemonium shadow show. And they had two sawhorses, you know, um, the, like the triangle things where you can put like two, two by fours on top of it so that you can cut the two by four. There's two oh. sawhorses. So it balances it. I thought we we're talking like a seesaw horse. So I'm glad. That's why I tried to clarify. Yeah. yeah. I meant like you can put a piece of board on so it's flat. So you can it work with you it. Saw it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So inside one a store where this guy is like mysteriously sick, like this person that has had this store for many, many years, but like suddenly is like, I'm out with an illness and like no other information because it's a small town. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. Um, like, which is very weird. So not only are there those flyers, but then within this store, there's those sawhorses and on top of the sawhorses is like a, a, a giant block of ice. And it says on there, the world's most beautiful woman. It's like, what? Where did this come from? Because it just shows up. Like, just yeah. suddenly is has appeared. And it's it's literally melting. Like, the ice is melting. And so Will's dad was like, mm, that seems really sketchy. I think he knows something about the carnival. Or maybe he's just read enough in his life to be uncomfortable with it. Because mm-hmm. the, the town is saying, like, this is really late in the year for a carnival. We don't usually see them. Like, this isn't typical. So they've never seen this carnival before, right? So, like, I would be leery, too. Like, what's happening here? So he avoids it, but the the lightning salesman goes in and he touches it. Ugh, don't touch it. Something's going to happen to him and we are not going to get into it on this podcast, but I am telling you, there are, are some follow-up things to happen here. So Will and Jim are trying to basically figure out where the heck that train is going because they're curious about the carnival. Mm-hmm. And so they head out to like this big giant field, which is, I guess, where like the lover's lane is because it's a big open field. And so you can kind of go and have like some privacy, even if there's other people there, it's like a good spot to like watch the moon. Mm-hmm. And so like in the dark of night, so it's like 3 a.m. I might be mixing up some days. It doesn't really matter. Some stuff happens in between some stuff. But basically they in the middle of the night are watching and like all of these shadow people just like suddenly like flock into the middle of the field and then tents are there like black like they i mean it's dark so they look Mm -hmm. like like slick black and then like suddenly it's quiet 
and like the the train noises are gone like where the heck is the train the train is gone there's no people there there's no talking there's no light there's nothing Hmm. so jim wants to stay because jim's an idiot um (laughs) well i want to stay rude (laughs) okay jim jim and i are gonna stay not worry too much about his life yes um, I mean, I get it. It's very intriguing, especially if you live in a small town and you're 13 years old. Like, you're like, yeah, I want to know what's happening. Yeah, what but I have do? a very high sense of my own mortality. So <laughs> I like to go home. Um, so that's pretty much this whole thing. It's like Jim wants to stay and Will wants to go. Um, I don't want to give away too many details about this. I mean, it's like a 50 some odd year old book. Like if you're going to read it, you've probably read it already. But if you haven't, like this is a good way to kind of circle back to a classic. But anyways, so the carnival comes into town and the, the whole premise of the carnival is that it's not as it seems, which is usually kind of how carnivals are, right? Like the sideshow isn't really like that. Um, but I'm like trying to figure out like how much information to tell because I don't want to give it away because it's so good. Uh, Basically, they discover that the carousel has some magical properties and Cougar and Dark are not exactly who they appear to be. And it seems that there is a potential that this carnival has been going on for centuries. So they find some information like using the dad in the library as a resource. Um, Will and Jim are kind of walking this line of trying to figure out what is happening here and save themselves. Um, they have like a, a teacher who has a nephew that they are supposed to meet and the nephew seems kind of MIA. So like the whole nephew thing seems really suspect. And they see later that one of the owners or people who run the carnival is the nephew so there's like some magic going on here where like it's unclear if like the teacher knows that the nephew is part of the the carnival um it's not clear like who you're supposed to trust because if anyone can basically change their face and age yeah who do you trust like so we encountered that a lot basically the carousel goes one way to age you and the other way to make you younger. I'm not really giving anything away with this, but it's kind of the main premise here. And so um, like, like people get like lost in the carnival too. Like a lot of people like go to the carnival, like they went during the day and the carnival um, it's like, like a yellow tent and it's very bright and cheery and colorful, but there are parts that like, you don't want to go to, like you don't venture to like, there's a mirror maze at the carnival and Miss Foley, who is that teacher, who is the nephew, kind of got like almost sucked into it, like lost. Like they hear her mm. screaming and they have to go find her. But like you can't go too far in because you find like your younger self like drowning, which again tells me a little bit about that coming of age thing. Right. Yeah. And so like the people who work at the carnival are just people who wanted a change in age, whether younger or older. But they had to like deliver something to mm. Cougar and Dark in order to fulfill the contract. So it's kind of like like an evil sea witch contract, right? Like they kind of trick you into thinking that like you need to do this thing to get what you want, but you can't really actually deliver the thing. Hmm. It's kind of crazy, but um, eventually the uh, circus people kind of figure out that Jim and Will know too much. And so they do like a parade through town to try to find them. It's, It's all kind of very unsettling, but not like in a gross way. Okay. But like, but like, like in a, like, oh my God, is he going to find them? Like what's going to happen next? Like, yeah, 
it, it really goes into the, like the, the imagery of a carnival too. Like they describe like like the sweet cotton candy smell in the air and like the the laughter of children, but also like you can hear people screaming. Like the the way that their author like has like that contrasting like adjectives to do with the mm-hmm. the carnival was like it was really cool. It, like kind of made me feel like I, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit a point where I was like very invested and I wanted to know how it ended because I was like, are they going to, are they going to find these kids? Like, are they going to age these kids? Like, what are they going to do? Because Jim obviously being the one who is more interested and clearly wanting to like be older, like he wants to go on the carousel. He wants it to go forward, but Will doesn't want him to do that. Like, he's like, no, don't leave me behind. Like we're only kids once. Like, why, why don't you want to be here with me? So there's a lot of things at play here. Um, hardcore friendship vibes, hardcore carnival vibes. <laughs> I had a really good time. Um, I think this is a really good one actually for this time of year. Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't read it before. I think it's because it's an older classic. Um, I don't always enjoy them. And I did think the writing style took me a little bit longer to get into than for m- some more modern books. Yeah, um, I'm going to get used to it and stuff. Yeah, just the way that he would describe things. Like sometimes, um, like Stephen King over describes things, and I don't mm-hmm. really feel like Ray Bradbury did that. But I definitely felt like there were some parts that I didn't understand, and I don't know if it was like a like a decade era issue or if it was because he was trying to be creative in the way he described it, so that it alluded to something else. Mm-hmm. So there were some factors there as far as the writing goes, but uh, overall five out of five i i really enjoyed it i did end up switching to listening because i wanted to get through it so that we could record today um but i would read it again Mm -hmm. too awesome i might have to actually check that one out you can borrow it i'll bring it with me okay perfect i was like because i know it's one that i've seen before but yeah it's that same thing of like eh, it's older do i really want to but i do like ray bradbury it's good too so like something wicked this way comes like that sounds amazing yeah i'm here for it yeah I probably, I think it's probably one that I put on my list a long time ago and then just have like skimmed over for years and never really thought about, you know, me too. But yeah. Definitely going to check it out. So mine, I kind of went like round and round and round on what book I was going to read. Like I started a different one and then I just wasn't feeling it. And so I switched and this one's not necessarily scary, but it is kind of very good fall. Like what in the world is going on? Like, okay not necessarily haunted house but like thing, things are going on in a house there are some family issues going on here so i did mexican gothic by sylvia sylvia moreno garcia oh, hmm. i don't know why i stumbled on her name so much just there um so this book is set in 1950 which i kind of forgot about for the first like three or four chapters and then i was like why don't they just call them like why doesn't she just like send her a text oh, and, right. and then i went oh <laughs> because it's 1950 i'm a dumb dumb uh so it's set in 1950 um part of it is in mexico city and then the other part is in mm, i can't remember where basically it's this place called uh the high place which is a house i just can't remember what town it's in but it's in a much smaller town uh but so it starts out and we're in mexico city and our main character is noemi she's 22 and she's going to university it's like the feminine university basically it's an all-girls university um and she's going there and just kind of like figuring out what she wants to do right now she's currently studying anthropology she's jumped through a few different majors she wants to go get her master's in anthropology but her parents are like um no you're we're supposed to go get married and have babies now you're not supposed to be going like obviously learning that like if you go get your master's that's another two to four years without a husband like we don't super love that 
um and she hasn't really settled down with anybody either she kind of like fiddles around like as soon as like a boy start or a man she's a grown-up as soon as a guy starts to show interest she is like okay yeah bye like no thank you uh but so she is at this party and like these parties that she's at when it starts is supposed to go to like 2 a.m like it's weird for somebody to leave before 1 a.m but her mm-hmm. and her date leave at 10 o'clock because her dad has called her home so she walks in and like her dad has a lot of money um think his father started like a paint company or something like that and he inherited it so like they also they never want for anything uh, generational never, wealth yeah <laughs> so she goes home and her dad is like hey like you can't tell anybody what i'm about to show you but your cousin catalina wrote us this letter and like i'm kind of concerned and so catalina had her parents both died when she was very young like i think her like her dad passed when she was like seven and her mom when she was eight or something like that's awful super super young and so she came to live with them growing up and her dad so she like there was a guy that she was gonna marry when she was probably like 19 and that fell through and then there was another guy who she super loved and uh noemi's dad was like no you're not marrying him basically he just like wasn't like wealthy enough or good enough kind of in quotes because this is the 50s right like we can parents can say that men dads can say that and so Hot tip though like most people should probably not marry whoever they're with at 19 i mean just kind of throw that out there true this one i said most the second one she was like in her mid-20s like oh, that's cause, yeah because catalina is like five years older than noemi so she oh, okay. or four or five or something like that and so she was older for the second one um gosh i keep hitting my mic sorry that was annoying um and so uh, so that third one, Virgil, he like they got married, uh, but it was like super weird. Like they kept like their entire relationship and engagement a secret until they were just like, surprise, we're getting married. And it's fake, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Noemi was even like, she was like, if I wasn't one of the witnesses at the courthouse, I don't even think I would have been invited or you wouldn't even know about the wedding. Like that's weird. Um, hmm. And they've been only married, they've been married about a year. And like Noemi and the family haven't really heard from her at all. She's like, oh, that's weird. Like, one, like she's dealing with her parties and her school. So she wasn't thinking much about it. And she was like, oh, but Catalina is just like embracing like newlywedness. Like, she has other thing going the holidays. It'll be like, it's like September, October ish right now. And she was just like, I'm sure I'll like hear from her in like a couple months of the holidays. Like, she'll write, she'll come visit. Everything will be fine. Like, she wasn't worried about it or anything like that until her dad calls her home from this party and shows her this letter and basically in it uh Catalina is like he's trying to poison me Noemi you have to come you have to come save me you have to come now and like the dad gets the letter reads it obviously is concerned writes back to Virgil and is like the heck like does she need to go see like a psychologist psychiatrist whatever like what is going on initial thought is that she's mentally ill well, so it's like, well, I think it kind of goes back. Virgil, her husband? Like, why would you be like, hey, my daughter wrote me this letter saying that she's in danger. Do you want to explain? Well, I think that's what it was. I think he wrote back and it was like, what's going on? And then Virgil was like, oh, she's been sick. And he was like, okay, does she? But also, like, women have to go see psychiatrists because of their lady problems. Oh, that's true. Kind yeah. Of a thing. Um, but Virgil was like, no, this is my wife. You shouldn't whatever but then they're also like kind of a little suspicious of him because so his family used to own this silver mine and it closed a couple decades ago or something like that so they don't have a lot of money so then they're like are they also just like with her for her money like, just bothers me that he didn't write his daughter back he wrote her husband but yeah yeah well, write, so her, 
Ask her what's up. Technically a niece. Well, I think he also wrote. Or, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and he may have written back in general. It doesn't actually say. I don't think. Maybe it didn't. I don't remember. Wrote back beginning. in general, maybe. Yeah. He wrote back, but I know for a fact Virgil was the one who responded. So he mm, may okay. have written to be like, "Hey, both of you, like, what's going on?" Uh, and so Noemi's dad is like, "So yeah, you need to go and figure it out." And she was like, "I have like things going on. I have a piano recital." like coming up i have a life i have stuff to do priority and he's like no you need to go do this and he was like i he's like if you go and do this and see what's going on and see like does she need to come home or really was she just sick with like fever and it made her like write this letter like figure it out he's like i will let you go to your master's program like you can do that and she was like really he was like yep like he's like this is how serious i am like you can go do that so she decides to do that she leaves like the next day because the train only goes like once a week to whatever city oh, this is dang. that they're headed to that I can't remember the name of. Um, so she like packs up her stuff and she goes and she gets picked up in town by Francis, who is like apparently like one of like the most palest people she's ever seen. Like not just like his skin's pale, his hair's pale, his eyes are pale. Like an albino? Kind of, but like more like the way it's explained, it makes me just think of somebody who like lives in a dungeon who like doesn't see the light of day. Like sickly, I've never seen sun in my life. Yeah, like I have a vitamin D deficiency and I'm gonna get scurvy here soon, kind of a thing. Okay. All right. Um, and so he like drives her up to high place and like while they're like going, she's like kind of trying to ask him and he's like kind of like awkwardly answering and just kind of shy, like mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't interact with people. And on the way, he's like, Oh, by the way, like we don't speak Spanish up at High Place, which is the house that they're going to. And she was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And she was like, yeah, because like his, so Francis's uncle is also, so Francis is cousins with Virgil and then it's their uncle's house. He like owns High Place and the family lives there. And he's like, yeah, he came over from England and like he brought, he wanted to bring England. Like he even like brought like England soil with him to like make sure that like the ground would be fruitful and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. they saw that and so francis like do you speak english and she's like yep i've been taking lessons since i was six years old like won't be a problem okay cool so <coughs> excuse me oh my gosh rough day yeah okay so she gets up to high place and is instantly like met with francis's mom who's like super stern and like shows her the place and it was like we don't take hot baths like that is bad for you you will take a cold bath what? also we don't have electricity um in like the whole house it's to keep the generator and like the fridge basically running uh so you have to go by candlelight and it's the 1950s not 1650s yeah Jesus. So, like super weird and sketch already like what the heck's going on um and then she's like no smoking in the house um if you want to go to town you'll be accompanied and Noemi is like fine whatever i want to see my I a man oh well, yeah obviously um, oh. who else is going to accompany her i just thought she meant like by someone from the household because you don't know your way around so that's i was te- being hopeful no so that's technically i guess yeah but francis is like the only one who drives into town so it would just be francis really i guess like virgil could but i mean basically it's like take the driver yeah pretty much even though you know francis's family and not staff but whatever um sure. and so noemi's like i want to see my cousin and like she's resting and she's like i don't care i want to go see her and she's resting nope. no and Noemi's like fine whatever I want to see her so she finally does get to go see her for like five minutes or something right before because she's supposed to like take her medicine her tinctures and so she gets to see her for like a hot second Catalina's like oh my gosh you showed up and she's like yeah how are 
how are things like how's things going but francis or not francis francis's mom florence does not like she like leaves like go grab the medicine and like comes right back like i don't even think it's the five minutes i swear to you it felt like it was two minutes that they got to talk and so you're like okay something is going on like like pictures always make me feel sus i'm just like okay there's something going on here like like, every time she starts to rouse you have to give her a thing Mm -hmm. you're sedating her you're not giving her anything helpful yeah it's so yeah so like already i'm like okay yeah are we poisoning her are we just medicating her into like a fog what's going on and so just lsd i wouldn't be surprised who knows and so then like that night she like they told her like dinner's gonna be at the table which is not normally but there's no talking no talking at mealtime. Mealtime is quiet. At all? No talking. Why are you talking? Mm. It's mealtime. Yeah. So you're like, that's weird. Like, agree. Weird. Very weird. And then they're like, oh, like, sound travels funny. And Uncle Howard, um, like, he's old and sickly old man and he's resting or something like that. And she's like, so no talking at all. And they're like, no, no talking. Mm. Like, okay, y'all are freaking weird. Of course, she also, like, smokes in her room, and they're like, the house doesn't like it when you smoke. Stop smoking. And she was like, no. If the window open, like, maybe. But, like, she can't even get the window open. And so then she has to, like, after dinner, like, go meet Uncle Howard. And he is a creepy old man. Like, he, or I guess he does, he decides to, like, like, gross them, creepy. like show them his presence at dinner. He, like, shows up, and it's, like, a whole thing. And yeah. he's, like, says something about how like she's the darkest person he's ever seen or something creepy like that and then he goes on this entire rant about like eugenics and like superior dna and like inferior thing ah so classic white supremacy yeah and the whole time you're just like ew and noemi is like you trying to bite her tongue but at the same time is like not taking any of it because like she's educated she's studying anthropology and he's like trying to like bait her and it's like i hear that you're studying what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on this and she was like like he like rattles off somebody and she was like oh actually like his stuff's kind of been founded to be wrong and then uncle howard is like well meh, 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 you know he's a man so it counts whatever and so then kind of noemi is basically just like yeah i want this conversation to end and so she just like shuts him off like okay bye like goodbye go to bed old man not like that but she just shuts him down like one and then it's basically like i'm not going to engage with you anymore you're stupid yeah and so he leaves and like that's when like she had like seen virgil or whatever so she goes to bed and like she starts and this isn't like super chronological order but basically like the rest of her time or like the next week or so she like tries to see her cousin uh she has like really weird nightmares going on like she's like almost maybe like, it's the house then okay i'm intrigued yeah and so she used to like sleepwalk as a kid and so she starts sleepwalking again at some point she thinks she's seeing like ghosts it's like, like women in gold she goes out there's the english graveyards what happened with the mine is that like well so at one point i don't really know it doesn't really matter i guess how she finds out but she gets to she ends up going down to town because at one point catalina is like hey She's coherent enough and she's whispering. And she's like, they can hear like sound travel. So we need to like be quiet and everything like that. She's like, you need to go. She's like, I had this medicine from like not a doctor, but a like a person who like potions type kind of a person. 
like an alchemist yeah she's like go to them like this person in town and get me this like it's the only thing that helped before you have to get it for me so she goes to town because like noemi talks to the doctor that comes up because they brought over their own doctor from england this Mm. doctor only helps the family there's nobody else than anybody who was in this household like staff included there's nothing else so like eight people and but they live in town and so she like talks to him and he's a class a jerk and is like it's basically just like oh she has tuberculosis tuberculosis or whatever and noemi's like "Uh, i had an aunt who had that doesn't make her have crazy chalkins doesn't make her whole write a whole crazy fever dream doesn't track and she's he's just like i said what i said and gets up to leave and noemi's like no actually you will sit back down yes tries to like conversate with him and he's just like super annoyed like how dare a woman talk to me so she goes she like convinces virgil like because there's there is a doctor in town and she's like i want a second opinion and Mm -hmm. virgil's like i mean if you can convince him to come up fine yeah you can bring a stupid doctor so she gets driven out of town she talks to the doctor she convinces the doctor to come up and then she goes and finds this other woman to get this other medicine for her cousin Mm -hmm. um and so she like brings it back and it's like kind of like when things like really start to get weird so she's like been having these nightmares she's been doing all this like sleepwalking when she's in town she like finally hears a story about what happened at the mine and like all of the workers started getting sick they had all these mexican workers they all got sick Hmm. Um, there's a story that they just threw them all in the trench or in like a pit basically and like didn't bury them but then virgil is like no they're all buried in the english graveyard doy like a mass grave though or did everyone get their own spot i think it's a mass grave yeah because she's like been in the graveyard and it's all just like family um it's like the townspeople are like yeah it's kind of weird like i don't know they're like but they paid well because it was like a silver one and like at first like all these people got to take a little bit of silver home every month well well yeah and then so of course some things go crazy i mean this is like I mean, the book's set in the 1950s, so it was probably like 30 years ago. So it's like, I mean, they're strong. Was it written? Uh, it was, came out 2020, I think. Oh, okay. Like super recent. I was like, mm, if it was yeah. set in the 50s, maybe written in like the 80s. Yeah, no. no yeah. So like it's, yeah, it's a very recent book. And so it's like, we're like going back. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't know, like these tiny little towns in Mexico, like, how much they were struggling but like i'm no people in the 20s here were struggling and i'm sure a little bit of silver probably would have helped on top of a paycheck i'm sure so yeah so like a lot of the people like didn't question as much and also what are you going to do lose your great job you're not you're not going to do that there Uh, were definitely less workers rights in the 50s that's for sure yeah and so like the mine closes basically because everyone dies and they can't get any more workers to come because everyone died and then like i think like the silver i guess can't dry up but they couldn't get it anymore. So now there's no mine, but there's still the house up at high places on this like big old hill. Just like ran out of the silver vein that was in the mine, I guess. Something. I don't really know. It was, I don't understand. Not a miner. Yeah. And also like the book kind of got hard to follow at times for that. Cause I was just like, I don't really know what we're talking about. And like, does it matter? But Did then, it feel like, like it was written by somebody who was trying to understand how the fifties work? Maybe. Cause, like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting a little like maybe she just done like or the author did a lot of research as far as like how this was gonna go but like it kind of gives me the vibe of like almost exaggerated like how the 50s was but honestly I wasn't alive so I don't know 
part of it almost feels like she tried to take this really strong female character and make a really strong female lead in the 50s but a lot of it also just kind of came off as rich girl syndrome of like she because like Virgil's even like calls her out at one point and is like you're just used to men not saying no to you and she was like internally thinking she was like how dare he just because men don't say no to me doesn't mean I'm not used to it and you're like no but like yeah Virgil is not a great guy like he is not the hero of our story but he has some good points okay that's so yeah and so I mean so that's basically what it is is like Noemi is trying to figure out what the heck goes on and like all the interactions that she has with like there's only like three staff the staff do not talk to her do not speak like I think like they say one sentence which is we're working that's it but it's in Mexico and you said they don't speak Spanish there yeah so everybody at the homes only speaks English that seems weird but I guess if you spoke English as the primary family you would expect your staff to do the same yeah so yeah that's the thing and I think that the staff like the three staff I don't even know if they are like locals or if they brought them over like Mm -hmm. I can't remember I think that I think they may have brought them over with them or like imported Mm -hmm. them from England I don't really remember to be honest where they got these like three house staff um and then it's francis and then his mom and then virtual Kalina and but it's in mexico yes yeah okay i just want to make sure i was tracking that right i was like that makes sense to me yeah Yeah. so yeah it's in mexico a train ride like a couple hour train ride outside of mexico city i can't remember the name and it's too many it's too far into the book to like quickly figure out what city she went to i don't have enough geographical knowledge so it's fine um but so like it probably took like two thirds of the book for it to pick up and for mm. you to actually kind of know like what like the whole time you're kind of feeling like a little sus things are weird um I do not trust Florence Francis turns out to be a pretty decent guy like really early on so you're like okay he's like trustworthy he's like like he'll answer her questions like she has to kind of like Good. break into his shell a little bit but he probably he like literally only interacts with people when he goes into town which is not often like he's i know people one, like that now i don't interact with anybody yeah like he's he's the family member who goes into town but that's like maybe like once or twice a month and like that's the only time he interacts with people gotcha. otherwise it's just like at home um and so like he kind of like warms up and you're like okay like he's not so bad but like florence's mom weird don't trust her don't know what's going on with that one virgil's not good uncle howard's creepy the staff are weird so you're like something is clearly going on what is it um so yeah like two-thirds in you kind of figure out or you get an idea of what's going on uh i was wrong i did not have it correct at all and i guess it yeah so the twist on what it was did not see that coming at all did not think it was going to end how it did like the ending like the actual ending ending felt a bit rushed like, it kind of felt like, I mean, also, I don't know how else we would have done it. That's the other part is that, like, by the time we finally got there, it was like, okay, well, this has to wrap up. How else are we going to end the book? I feel like sometimes it's like, what else are you going to add to? Like, once you yeah. know that piece of information, you have to kind of roll with it. Yeah. Like, and so, yeah. So it was like kind of hard to be like, well, it was rushed at the end. But if you had added, if you had drug it on any longer, it would have been annoyed. I did switch. I only probably read the first, like, 50 pages and then I switched to listening Mm -hmm. and I did listening from the library so I don't know if it's the same narrator as it would be on like an audible narrator 
And I don't, I think reading it would have been a lot better because I okay. think like some of those like kind of like creepy crawly stuff would have snuck up more uh, versus like having somebody read it. Um, but I mean, I did like it. So like the narration of it, probably only three stars. I'm going to give the book like three and a half, three quarter stars total only because it took so long to kind of figure out what was going on got it like I did like it I liked the story it was fun having it set in a totally different place in a different time like I liked all that stuff the characters were pretty well developed I could picture everything like I could imagine everything that was going on like that part of it was really good but it took kind of so long and there were so many times where I just wanted to quit like for like the first two thirds I was just like do I have time to read any other book no I guess we're doing this one I'm glad I hung through and I so but I do I do think reading it would have been a bit better because I okay. think it would have been at like a better pace maybe and also while I was listening I was working so it's there's probably some things that I missed for some factors there yeah. yeah if I had just been just listening maybe driving and listening where I can like kind of get more in versus like trying to like do my things while also listening yeah I would recommend it though she has a bunch the same author has like four or five other books and I'll probably check them out because I liked her writing style it was like very descriptive she can like really set a scene really well she Love describes that. people well enough that you can imagine them and then she just kind of stops describing them where I feel like sometimes they're always like oh her pale blue eyes and you're just like whatever they it's their eyes she looked at me and you're like oh okay yeah she looked at you um the twist at the end also really liked it because I did not see like what actually is going on had no guess not a clue in the world that that was what was going on and then like the second there was like hey here's what's actually happening to the people and then it was like and here's a twist as to why I didn't see either one of those coming like totally caught me off guard so even though I'm giving it a lower rating than I normally do would still recommend especially like a good October read because it's kind of set in like a September October so it's a good fall read right some solid picks then yeah, to, to wrap up October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. I, I can't, I can't give it, if I feel like I'm saying anything else, I'm going to give too much away. But That's how I felt too. I Mine had a lot of like dependencies on like other things that you knew. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't really know where to stop. Like, I think that's one of the challenges too that we face like on this podcast as a whole is like, I don't want to give anybody too much information because like, I want to encourage you to go read the book, but yeah. also like, it's fun to like tell you the fun stuff that happens. Yeah. So sometimes like I just want to be like, oh my God, it was this. This is yeah. what was going on in the house or the town I mean, and everything. And oh, well, but. disclosure, you and I just straight up spoil books for each other when we're in person because it's like, I know that there's an, a, a finite amount of time in, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, just tell me how your book ends so that I can decide whether or not I want to read it. Yeah. Like, I'll just probably tell you after this what happens in the end. And if you yeah. want to make the time for it, you can. And if not, well, now you know how it ends. Sometimes it's about the journey and sometimes I just want to know how they did it. Exactly. So next episode, because it's November, right? So it's what? Domestic thriller. Yes, that was our first choice. Yeah, like political, but doesn't have to be political, government-y, something. Or no, domestic thriller is at the the family one. Yeah, so we we actually picked political as our second one. So you're not wrong. Um, We do have 
like a, a political one kind of coming up in November just let's because elections our, happen. Yeah, that's both of our November episodes. So, you know, I, legit. I, I did that. So, yeah, I sprinkled it in for everyone. You did. You just want to include everything. You're so yeah. inclusive. I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll do domestic thrillers next. Right. I think that the, the goal here was to focus on like kind of family oriented. It's November. We always mm-hmm. try to pick something that's like family dynamics. Um, we were looking up, though, like like lesser known genres and domestic thriller came up. So I'm interested to see what specifically falls within this genre. So I'm going to actually look up that phrase. Yeah, I have one. I already have my book picked and it one comment said it belonged there. And I doubled down because I already own the book. Like that's the one. I was like, I own it. (laughs) It sounds great. I wanted to read it for a while. So make, I'm going to make it fit. I'm going to like, we'll cut the toes off if I have to fit into the shoe, you know, it's going to work. Yeah um wrap this up social medias is instagram isn't it past your bedtime and twitter is iipyb underscore pod you can check out our website at isn't it past your bedtime.com you can see what's in our archive what we've talked about in the past and what's coming up next it turns out this week my dad discovered our website oh well that's fun. like you have a website i was like you do. i do <laughs> well on that note tell your dads about us if you listen tell your dads. that's exciting um yeah, I think we should just end right there. That was great. I Ideal. loved that. Uh, we'll talk to everyone and maybe your dads next time. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.